O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is, I think, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, of the Christmas carols that we sing each year. It dates back over 1,200 years to around 800 A.D., very old. Okay, this song is, it goes way, way back. And uh, it was originally written in Latin, um, and stanzas, verses were added to it, words were changed, it was translated over the years. In fact, at one point, um, uh, even the title was changed. Um, It it wasn't always called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so a lot of changes, but it's just such a powerful uh, song. Around the ninth, excuse me, around the ninth and tenth century, around the time when this was written, uh, the Christians, when they met in, their, in the monasteries or wherever they met in the churches that they met in, they would celebrate Christmas one week before Christmas Eve. And so, you know, it's actually like today. Today is one week before Christmas Eve. Isn't that amazing how fast time just flies? I can't believe it's already upon us like this. And so the early church would start meeting like on this day, and um, they would sing together, and they would meet the next day. And so you guys would have to come back to church tomorrow, and then on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. And, and they would do this. They would meet each day, uh, and they would sing a specific song or a chant for that day. And uh, each of these songs that, would, that they would sing a week before Christmas Eve started with the letter O. And they were called O Antiphons. And we could check this out. This was the order of the songs that they sang. There's seven of them, uh, seven days before Christmas. The first one being O Sapentia and O Adonai and, and so on and so forth until the last one, which is uh, O Emmanuel. Now, there was definitely some intention um, to the ordering of the songs. Absolutely. Because when you take the first letter of that second word after O, if you, if you take the first uh, letter of that word, and you put all the letters together, you get the word sarkor. And you might be wondering, what does sarkor mean? Actually, it doesn't mean anything, okay? You got to read it backwards. But if you read it backwards, it, it becomes a two-word acrostic, which is read arrow cross, okay? Maybe you could see that, starting from the bottom up, arrow cross. Now, that has a meaning, in Latin, arrow cross means I will be present tomorrow. Yeah, that's what that means. And so each of these songs would be sung until finally, O Emmanuel. And then the next day, they celebrated God being present with us. Right? They would sing O Emmanuel, which brings us back to the song that we sang today. Uh, and really the one word that I want to focus on, I know in this series we've been focusing on, on, on uh, stanzas or passages within a song. Today I want to focus on one word, and it's the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel is a biblical word. It's found in the Bible. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, where it says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this is a total side note, okay? This is just total side note. I'm giving you this one for free, okay? You might wonder, when you're looking at this, you're like, Emmanuel spelt with an I. I wonder why that is. Because oftentimes when we see that word, it's spelt with an E. Um, 
Why is that? In fact, in some translations, when you see this verse in the New Testament, Emmanuel is spelt with an E. And so, you know, why is that? I'll just give you just a general answer, and that's this. The Hebrew word for Emmanuel, the first letter in the Hebrew word, when you transliterate it into English, it's best translated with I. But in Greek, the word Emmanuel for in Greek, when it's transliterated into English, that first vowel there, it's best transliterated with an E. It's just a transliteration thing. It's not two different words. It's the same word, and it means the same thing. And I'm sure we all know what that word means, right? What does Emmanuel mean? That's right. It means God with us. So that same passage we read in Isaiah 7, it's found in Matthew 1, verse 23, and it says this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, if you've been going to church for any number of years, I'm sure you would have heard this word many times. In fact, you would have heard this word sang this word, pray this word many, many times, and especially at Christmas. This is my sixth Christmas as the pastor of Trinity. Isn't that amazing? That's so amazing. Six years. It's been so good to celebrate Christmas with you. But you know what? That was just as pastor. I was here for two Christmases prior to that, um, just being a part of Trinity. And so I've been here for eight Christmases and I'm sure there are some of us, well, I've been here for 30-some Christmases, right? There's some, at least, I think, Bob, you've been probably 35 or more. Okay, anyways. Um, but I'm sure you would, I'm sure you could agree with me that every year, this word would be spoken. We would sing about Emmanuel. We would pray this is something that we know, we, we understand, we know the meaning of this word. We know the meaning. We know that Emmanuel means God with us, that God is present among us. And we say that a lot, not only at Christmas time. At Trinity, we say this a lot, this, the fact that God is present among us. We say that a lot because we honor God's presence here. We pray into situations by saying we speak the presence of God over that circumstance, over that situation, in Jesus' name. We honor the presence of God here. But you know something? That this idea that God is present with us, that God's very presence is among us, did you know that this would have been such a mind-blowing revelation for people even in the Bible? What are you talking about? God is with us? I mean, to hear Isaiah 7, 14, there would have been people in the Bible that would have, been, that would have said, what? I mean, what does that mean for us? Because there's passages that we read about when God's presence is near. It's actually not pretty when that happens. How many of you know the story of Uzzah in 2 Samuel 6? There's a guy, Uzzah, okay? the Ark of the Covenant was being taken from the Philistine territory back to the city of David. And Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant and dies. It was just one of those, what, what happened there, right? I mean, people would have heard that story. The Jewish people, they, they've heard that story. 
And so they understand that man, it's not a joke. The presence of God is no joke. In Exodus 33, 20, it says, You cannot see my face, for man cannot see my face and live. Right? So this passage in Isaiah 7, 14, which contains the word Emmanuel, God with us, was a revelation to people in the Bible. Because the typical understanding of God was that God is transcendent. He's far above that God is transcendent. In fact, there's, Bible, there's biblical passages, lots of them, that talk about God's transcendence, God's aboveness. Okay? Isaiah 40, 22 says this, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Psalm 97, verse 9, says this about God, For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Okay, so there's passages like this that talk about God's transcendence, that he is far above. He's otherworldly. There's a lot of passages that talk about this. In fact, the essence of the meaning of the word holy is that God is above, that he's set apart. That's what the word Holy means, right? That's the essence of the meaning of holy. God is holy. And you know, it's true. He is. He's holy. He's set apart. But God is far more than that. He's also near. But this understanding that God is way up there, that God is far above, that he's far away, I mean, this is not something that, this is not only something that people in the Old Testament thought about God, Many people today feel this way about God, including in the church, that God is far away. He's too far to be with me here right now. And this is the common understanding of God or the gods in other religions. You see, in other religions, the gods, the idols, the deities that they serve, the view of them is that they are outer-worldly. They're outside this world. They're far above. They are separate. I love how Reinhard Bonnke put it. Does everyone know who Reinhard Bonnke is? He's got a thick accent. I'm going to try to duplicate it. I don't know if I can do that, but (laughs) he says this about the religions of the world. He's like, the religions of the world prepare a table and set a banquet for their gods and their idols. But in Christianity, our God does it the other way around. He sets a table for us. In other religions, man must prepare their, pursue their God and try to become like them. But in Christianity, our God pursues us and he became one of us. That is a mind-blowing revelation that our God is with us, that he is both transcendent and near, that he is both holy and present with us. Mind-blowing revelation. Now, going back to the song, O Come, Emmanuel, 
if you, you may have noticed that this song, it's not like a lot of the songs that we sing at Christmas time. Like joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Right? Hark the herald angels sing. Go tell it on the mountain. Right? It's, it doesn't have that same pep and zing like some of these songs that we sing at Christmas time. Like there's this feeling of yearning in this song. This aching, longing for God to come. That's what this song captures. A longing, an aching, a yearning for something. Let's take a look at the first stanza of this song. It says this, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Powerful. What we are hearing in this song is a longing and an aching and a yearning for God to come. For God to come and rescue the people from bondage. Rescue the people from pain, sorrow, sadness, loneliness. From being captive under an oppressor. You can just feel, you can sense in this song a longing for rescue and redemption. A longing for freedom and salvation. And you hear this longing in the letter O. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. You know, it's like a song that we sing today. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. When we sing that letter, the heart is reaching, yearning for God. And that is what this song captures, a desperate cry from the people to God to come. They're longing and waiting for their Redeemer. The song captures the desperation and the sorrow, but it also captures something else. There's something else that this song captures. Because when you sing it, there's a sudden shift that takes place on the fourth line of this first stanza. The fourth line that says, Until the Son of God appear." And so this song, and then it goes on, rejoice, right? There's sorrow, there's sadness, there's yearning, there's aching until the Son of God appears. And then it changes, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And so embedded within this ancient, ancient song is the heart of the people which on the one hand is yearning for God, aching for God, and on the other hand, rejoicing because He came. It's powerful. Because He is Emmanuel, God with us. God among us right now. But sometimes, it doesn't always seem that way. Right? Life doesn't always 
We don't always experience life that way, where there's this knowing that, yep, God's with me right now. We don't always experience life that way. Life isn't always freedom, joy, and laughter. It's not always like that. It's not always pleasurable. Even though the Bible says in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. We don't always experience life that way. Sometimes we can be like, you know, I don't feel God's presence right now. I don't feel it. I don't sense it. I don't see it. I don't know. And if you're here this morning and you are experiencing life in that way, I'm preaching to you this morning. And so is this song. It is. Maybe you are here and you see all the celebrating that's going on at Christmas time. All the lights and the cheer and all the laughter. And you're like, I just want to experience that too. I am not experiencing that same joy. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, God. That's your prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been struggling with the same thing for years, year after year after year. And the cry of your heart is, God, come, take this burden from me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just saying, God, I just need an answer. I just need an answer. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. Just speak to me. Please don't stay silent any longer. This song is for you. This sermon is for you. This song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, captures your heart. Your heart that is experiencing sorrow. Your heart that is maybe experiencing being burdened. It captures that, but it also communicates that God hears that. He hears your cry. He hears the cry of your hearts. He sees your sorrow. He knows your pain. He knows your struggle. He knows what you're going through. And you know what? He did something about it. God sent his one and only son into the world for you, for me, into our mess, into our pain, to be Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus, we see a God who weeps when we weep. He weeps with us. In Jesus, we see a God who is deeply compassionate of those who are broken and needy and disenfranchised. In Jesus, we see a God who cares deeply for the least of these. God cares for you. And he is really good at turning mourning into dancing. He's really good at that, turning sorrow into joy. And you know something, in essence, that is the beauty of the Christmas message, that in this world, we will have trouble. We will experience sorrow but we have a rescuer. We have a redeemer. We have someone who has come to set us free. Emmanuel, God with us in Christ Jesus. So I believe this morning, for those of us who are experiencing a a season right now of sorrow 
you're experiencing just a difficult season right now, I believe that God wants to meet you there today. I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning. I believe that he wants to be with you because he is Emmanuel, God with us. But here's the thing about what I just said. The understanding of God being a God with us, it can't be something that I tell you. Like if, if, someone's, if, if someone's going through a rough time right now and, and another person says, hey, don't worry, God's with you. I mean, they mean well, right? I, and I do that. Often I will say that and I will pray that. And believe me, I mean well when I say that. God's with you through this. But oftentimes, it can feel like mere words. The understanding that God is with you must be a revelation. It must be. It's got to be beyond what someone tells you. It's got to be beyond what James Park preaches from the pulpit. It's got to be a deep revelation. God speaking to you personally in your spirit. God showing up in the midst of your pain or sorrow or struggle. It's got to be a revelation, right? It's got to be a revelation. And so perhaps you're experiencing a difficult season now. I want to encourage you. You know, we're going to turn this service into a time of prayer, into a time that we're going to just make this a house of prayer. Maybe you are experiencing a tough time right now. I want to encourage you. First of all, you don't have to share every detail. You don't have to go into it. Just simply say, I, want, I need prayer right now. My family needs prayer right now. We need prayer right now, whatever it might be. And, and we want to pray for you this morning. And for those who are, you feel led to go and pray for someone. You know, again, it's simp- we just want to pray simple prayers. God, let your presence be known in this person's life right now. May your presence fill this person right now and show them, reveal to them that you are with them. You know, but in your own words, something like that, very simple. And so we're going to do that this morning. So I want to ask you, if those of you, if you're going through something, you just need prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand? You know, I just need prayer this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Just look around. There's a few people that have their hands raised, okay? And those of us, you know, maybe surrounding them, that are around them, I just want to encourage you to go pray for them. Um, So we are going to take a moment uh, to pray for those who have their hands up, okay? Now, there might be those of you this morning where you're like, you know what, I just need to pray silently to myself this morning. Absolutely, we want to give you the time and space to do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to find words to pray. And uh, there will be just a sample prayer that on the, on the screen there for you to pray. But again, pray in your own words, but there is a guide there for you. Whatever you might be going through right now, you know, God is among us. God is here. His presence is here. And I, I just, I believe he, he wants to speak to you this morning, that he wants to give you the revelation that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us.